Well, I don't know how it happened exactly. But at the Hilton House, as far as I can tell, we have somehow become a special overseas territory of the British crown. Judging by the amount of continued coverage of the royal wedding, thanks to a clergy person who serves this church who shall remain nameless. It's not me, just to give you a hint. But I don't think it's only the Hilden House, and I don't think it's just the royals that have caught the world's attention. The wedding sermon by our presiding bishop, Michael Curry, about the power of love in Jesus Christ that's able to make of this old world a new one is, I think, still on the minds and hearts of millions around the globe. You could see the surprise, if you were watching it, on the faces of people in old St. George's Chapel that day in Windsor Castle. There were people with little thought bubbles above their heads that said, I had no idea that Christianity could be like this, let alone a sermon. It could be that they'd never seen the good news of Jesus Christ preached that way, with such joy and passion. They thought a sermon had to be boring. Maybe it had been a long time since they had allowed themselves to hope for a world transformed by love, had allowed themselves to be carried away by a joyful vision of a new world, had allowed themselves to believe that there is a balm in Gilead that can make the wounded whole. Maybe they allowed themselves to wonder, for the first time in a long while, whether it might actually be true that the power of love that can bring races and peoples together from across an ocean, carry the mystery of life across generations, is the same power that created the world itself, the same power that we name Almighty God, a power that was alive in Jesus of Nazareth and lives still today. hope and pray that this is so. That many people wondered all of this for the first time in a long time. I hope that there are new people in churches around the world today wanting to find out more about the power of love. And I hope that there are long time Christians in churches everywhere today whose eyes have been opened again to the power of the gospel. That, that thought to themselves this stuff might be real. This really might change everything. We are not without hope. God is living and active. The power of God's love is stronger than death, stronger than division, stronger than hatred, stronger than every power of darkness that roams in this sorry old world. Jesus has won the victory, and we can proclaim it now. Hallelujah. Just to come completely clean with you all, however, I do want to be honest about something. I think every Episcopal priest around about this time, under the age of 40, is thinking to themselves this Sunday, you know, you know, if I start preaching like that, I might get invited to the next royal wedding. So Prince George is four, give him about 20 or 25 years or so, and if I play my cards right, I might be at Buckingham Palace. I just want you to be aware of that. 99% of what you may see from me and my brothers and sisters in the clergy is genuine excitement of the gospel. But I can't rule out that there's 1% in the back of our minds that really wouldn't mind being invited to the garden party at Buckingham Palace. 
My guess is that if that improves the level of preaching in our church, no one's going to hold it against us. That's just an aside. We have been reading all about love the past several weeks in the Gospel and Letters of St. John, haven't we? So it's really very appropriate that his sermon came as it did. And today, Trinity Sunday is a fitting climax before our texts and themes shift for the long season of ordinary time. One more text and one more sermon about God's love. Our Gospel this morning contains possibly the most well-known verse in the Bible, doesn't it? John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. And this verse comes right after one of the most well-known stories in the Bible, the nighttime visit of Nicodemus to Jesus, to find out more about this God that he'd been preaching about all over Israel. I like how Nicodemus starts off. Rabbi, he says, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. It's like he's saying, okay, Jesus, I don't really understand what all of this is about. I don't know what I believe right now. I don't even know where to start. I don't have any questions for you. But I can tell that there's something powerful happening with you. I think it's coming from God. Nicodemus just came in the nighttime and said, I see something here, Jesus. It's like he sees the outlines of something, but he doesn't quite know what it is yet. He wants something, but he doesn't quite know what, I think. He doesn't even really know what questions he should ask. I think Jesus sees all of this about Nicodemus. And so he gives Nicodemus what's actually a kind of riddle, you might say. No one can see the kingdom of God, Jesus says, without being born again from above. Now our translation that I just read says born from above, but born again from above is actually more like what Nicodemus heard, since the Greek word carries both meanings. You have to be born a second time, Jesus is saying, and this birth isn't like any other birth. It comes from God. Nicodemus, of course, doesn't get this, like so often in the Gospels. He interprets it in a kind of wooden, literal way at first. How can anyone be born after having grown old, he says? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Well, no, obviously. So Jesus answers back this way. Paraphrasing. The kind of birth I'm talking about again Jesus is saying, is by water and the Spirit. The people who are born again from above this way are like the wind. You feel the power of the wind, but you don't see where it comes from. You just know that all of a sudden something powerful is here, something strong and full of life that comes from the heavens and stirs everything up. That's what people born again by the Spirit of God are like. Nicodemus still doesn't get it, though. How can these things be, he asks. How can these things be? That's a good question. My guess is that there were a lot of Nicodemuses in the crowd at the royal wedding and in the millions who watched Bishop Curry preach. How can these things be? 
I can hear today's Nicodemus saying something like, well, you might say that there's power in love to transform the world, power enough to bring a song of hope to the lips of Bishop Curry's enslaved ancestors like he talked about so powerfully, power enough to do away with poverty and injustice, power enough to make the world a sanctuary and the people of the world into one family in God's house with room enough for us all. But I don't know if I believe that yet. How can these things be? Of course, when Americans woke up last Saturday morning, if they did, uh, to watch the royal wedding, we also woke up to the news of yet another school shooting, didn't we? In small town Santa Fe, Texas. This weekend is Memorial Day. And for many, I'm sure here today, and millions in this country, it's not just another long weekend. Instead, it's a time to remember the, the, and honor the young men and women they knew, always too young, who lost their lives in military service. It's almost like you might think there's a drumbeat. The drumbeat has been going since history began. And when people march to this dark devil's drumbeat, nations rise against nations. The strong grind down the weak. The weak let revenge grow in their hearts. And they take their revenge. And then the wounds grow deeper. And the cycle keeps repeating itself. And the drumbeat marches on. So you might say all this, today's Nicodemus might say, about the power of love. And it may sound wonderful, like a fairy tale wedding in a storybook castle on TV. But in the real world, how can these things be? I don't think Jesus would be surprised at the question. In fact, I think it's why he answered Nicodemus in the strange way that he did. He didn't say well, I believe in all of this because deep down people are good. And if we all work together, we can just build a new Jerusalem. He didn't say that. He said something different. He said, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Before God so loved the world that he gave his only Son. Lifted up where? Lifted up on a cross. Gave his only son for what? He gave his only son to die a convict's death in the hell of cruelty and revenge that we, his creatures, invented ourselves and inflicted on each other, set to the music of the devil's drumbeat in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death. And then to do what? Was it to show us all how condemned we are? To do to us as we did to him? To let us devour each other and destroy ourselves as the devil's drumbeat marches on? No. 
what does the scripture say? He gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Two thousand years ago, just as the drumbeat of death was at its loudest, the music started to shift. A new note crept in, quietly at first, but then steadily and building. The new notes grew, and before you knew it, without anyone being able to quite say how it happened or when, it wasn't the devil's death march anymore. It was a victory march. There was love and joy in the air, and a spring in the prisoner's steps, not condemned and not in chains anymore. Amen and hallelujah on their lips. The saints march again to the kingdom of God like a jazz band rolling down the streets of New Orleans. It was like, it was like being born all over again. A whole old world made new. No one could say where it came from. You see, it was almost like a wind blew down from heaven and made everything new. It was like the music was so much more powerful than the devil's drumbeat that it must have come from, from the heart of eternity itself, from some deep love and joy from before time and forever. I think Jesus is trying to tell all this to Nicodemus in any way he can. To the question, how can these things be? Jesus answers, it's because I descended from heaven. This is the way things are in my Father's house. And I'm going to walk through fire and hell itself to make my Father's kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's power in love, my brothers and sisters. Not because it's our love, but because it's God's love. God's love in Christ Jesus, in the power of the Holy Spirit, has the power to make you and each and every one of us in this old world new. How can these things be? Come walk the way of Christ's love with us and find out.